Hi, Guy. How are you going? Uh, a little bit uh, <laughs> sick, actually, today. <laughs> I got the black lung, pup. Yeah. It's one of those kind of days. It actually was one of, far more beautiful than the last time we tried to do this. Yes. This anyway. Is for, I might not have mentioned it in the intro, but this is actually now our second time doing this. And I was lazy last time and kind of put the onus on Guy to make sure the recording levels were correct for my podcast and they turned out they were a bit <laughs> off. So that my apologies for taking up an hour of your time no, for no reason. No, that's all right, because normally I've got a loud voice, so I overcompensated by turning myself down that much that I was too quiet. And I tend to talk slightly louder when I'm recording than what I ever do normally, so I was probably a tiny bit louder than I would have been when I was doing the mic check. But how, how are we now? Those levels would look pristine, wouldn't they? Those levels look as nice as the day outside. Excellente. Which, if you're in Albury-Wodonga, you'll know that the last few days have been quite cold. Mm, that's why a, I think I got a cold. I wouldn't say cold snap, because, mm. yeah, people have been bitching. Just cold, yeah. Yeah. The other day at work, there's people walking around with hoods on. and I've got just, a beanie on right now, man. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that yet. <laughs> we got shorts on. Yeah, no, we'll work on the beanie yeah. throughout the conversation. <laughs> so, Guy, we met each other probably three Sundays ago yeah. at an open mic. And yeah, I really feel like this time, last time I did listen back just to see how the conversation went and obviously it was fun and there were some funny moments, but it did sound like two people who were two hours away from knowing each other all that well <laughs> and we kind of covered all that in the last conversation. So mm. I'll just probably touch on a few bits that are essential information. We met doing a stand-up comedy open mic yeah, and I was as green as it was possible to be being first my first time. one and you had a few really polished jokes. So, Oh, just a few. <laughs> obviously today, just for some context for people, we're sitting in the Hit and Triple M studios here. Yeah, Network Studios. The Network Studios here in Albury-Wodonga, and we're looking out at a really nice day now on Keywall Street. So, Yeah, nice bit of sun. Yeah. See the monument. So for those people listening that are probably thinking, another radio person. We're not going to talk about radio today. It's just guys got a radio voice and a radio history, so it might come up here and there, but I was hoping we might be able to start with comedy. Yeah, sure, man. I'd love to. So... Just with your background, you're a Melbourne guy? Yeah, Melbourne originally. Um, we'll briefly touch on radio, just uh, 10 years in the game and been in Albury almost three, or on the border, almost three. Yeah, so we did talk in the last conversation. I thought it was an interesting part that I wanted to touch on quickly, just with your history. Mm. Where do you think you'd maybe developed the majority of your radio and or comedy chops? Um, community radio in Melbourne, I'd say. So Sin FM, or I think it's just Sin now. Um, 2003, did a graveyard shift there. And then there was another narrow car station in Melbourne called Double X, uh, 1611 AM. Did that in 2005 till 2008 and then got my first commercial job in 2008. Yeah, so just before we move on to the comedy, because I, I think last time maybe we we wanted to get back to comedy, then we went totally down the radio nerd yeah. path, which was fun for us, probably not for people <laughs> listening. That's why we're doing it again. So it meant to happen, man. Yeah, that, that's right. So where um, were you already the guy that people would know on the radio before you got onto a commercial station or is it a completely different world between community oh, and commercial? It, it, it is and it isn't. I suppose community, you've got your friends listening. You're like, guys, I'm on for two hours at this time. Make sure you're listening. So you're getting a lot of calls and texts because it's everyone that you knows you. You don't have you. to fight for a, yeah. a bit of interaction. Correct. And people will want to listen to you because they're your mates, whereas... Uh, commercial they can flick the dial or go and uh, listen to anything else yeah 
and there's obviously more pressure if people are tuning out, there's an expectation yeah. that your job is to make them not do that yeah. or to assist in them not doing that. Keep them listening as long as possible. As long as possible. So just on that radio journey, I think you said the last, was it Port? Yeah, Port Macquarie. Port was, Macquarie was the last location before Aubrey-Odonga. bit warmer than uh, Aubrey. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about a few of the main differences between the towns. Uh, there's beach in uh, Port Macquarie for one, or the mid-north coast. Yeah. Nice beaches. Uh, yeah, it's got the best climate in Australia. So there's a lot of retirees go there. So not too hot, not too cold. What are we talking best climate? Because you and I in the last hour have realised that my perfect climate is about 5 to 10 degrees Celsius. So what uh, are we talking here? Mid-20s. Mid-20s. 24, 25 maybe. Yeah, okay, that's about 10 degrees too hot for me. Oh, wow. But that means that I don't ever have to put up with a bunch of other retirees. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. Just with the Port Macquarie thing, obviously not just the weather, but it must have been a different if that was the kind of demographic in that town coming to Oruodonga, mm. must have felt a little bit different. Yeah. And I think last week when we recorded, it might have taken us 40 minutes to get to your first day in Albury, but <laughs> yeah. let's just try and cover that off now because that was one of the most interesting things was your impressions of this area. So Yeah, well, I was meant to um, crash at a uh, mate's auntie's place for a couple of weeks, house it, and then look for a place. But uh, friends of hers got flooded. They were out a little bit further on, I'm not exactly sure, but had farming land around here and it had really, really bad rain almost three years ago. So they got flooded. So she's rung me and said, oh, you're moving into uh, my new housemate's place. They're staying there. And it was nice and sunny when I left and I got off the plane at the airport and it was freezing cold, was bucketing down with rain and I just left like sunshine. I'm like, oh, what the hell have I done? (laughs) (laughs) So how long did that hold, that terrible weather? Oh, probably a couple of days. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't like it went on for two weeks. And you were wondering, did I make the right call here? Oh, no, I knew I'd made the, the right call. We always used to drive through um, Aubrey on the way to Sydney when we had family holidays, so go up yeah. and see mums, aunties and stuff like that. And, yeah, we've, we always stopped off before the before the bypass went through, so you had to okay. go through yeah. town. And, and I you, always thought, oh, this is a good place, and Aubrey's got a bit of prestige in the radio game. You also would have been familiar with, I guess, this area more generally because you did a bit of time in Jindabyne. Yeah. And... Not too far. Yeah, up the particularly road, if you're of. going from Melbourne to Jindabyne, this is kind of the corridor you would go through. Yeah, it's sort of a nice uh, nice halfway point. So that's kind of more my kind of ideal temperature. Yeah. The yeah. Jindabyne-y. I've done time in Hobart too, and that, that gets freaking cold. So Yeah, I like that frozen earth border of Canada and US right. kind of weather. In my head, though. Damn. God. <laughs> because I'm sure when it gets down to negative 10 on average for several days, with wind chill, it's negative 40. Well, you're not going to sweat, I suppose. No, you're not going to do much. No. No. You're just going to sit at home and uh, rub your hands together in front yeah, of the and fire. For a very inflexible man, work out how to fold myself over the heater. <laughs> you and me both, brother. Yeah. You and me both. Well, they might need a big heater if we're both on the same <laughs> yeah, heater. Yeah, well... <laughs> And uh, I don't know what we're both doing on the same heater, but that's a story for another yeah, day. Yeah, well, there might only be one heater guy. That's true. One heater, one room, two one. blokes. <laughs> so just to get back to Jindabyne, you mm. told me something last week, which I didn't want to dwell on at the time, but then I thought back later, I'm like, what are you doing, Josh? He dropped a bombshell in there. You're a guy that has self-professed struggled with your weight, mm. and I'm going through that same mindset at Oh, the mate, I'm still struggling. And- you dropped a little nugget in our last conversation that at one point you lost 30 plus kilos, which yep. I'd also done. And yep. we had a very analogous situations there and then put it all back on. Mm-hmm. But then you followed that up with this line and I didn't catch it the way that I should have. 
you said, yeah, the second time I lost 100 kilos. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Not that this is a weight loss show, but to do anything that was pretty incredible for the lack of a better term, but life-changing, can we just step through how you worked out you needed to do that? how you came to that point and maybe how you actually did it. It's like, the sort of bit I could cut out of the podcast. <laughs> like like that's, most, that's how good this bit is. Oh, right. Pressure. Yeah. Uh, mate, like most blokes, um, I'm in, was probably in denial. I'd uh, had the uh, had the missus, so she, um, mate, we used to go out and she was skinny, yeah, so I'd probably like eat my food and then I'd eat like her leftovers. So I feel like she was trying to fatten me up to keep me. <laughs> so, yeah, I got got pretty big. And oh, you're just in denial. I think we won't touch on it, but there's someone we both know who's had a little health scare because you just don't value your um, your health. I didn't really – I was waiting for the aha moment, but mum just said go to the gym and uh, the lady at the gym there, Manuelis, just um, just an absolute angel. She, I jumped on the scales and she just said that's disgusting. She didn't actually tell me because she knew if she said oh, I, was, I was probably tipping over 200, I would have probably lost heart. So just start – just start For anyone in North America, we're talking 200 kilograms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yes, 200, 200 kgs. So when you say an aha moment, we talked particularly last week about my lack of belief in self-development, yeah, inspiration, and aha moments particularly just sounds like buzzwordy bullshit to me. But You've just got to start. I think, yeah, yeah. if you're waiting for yeah. the right time, there'll never be a right time, no. man. you just got to start. I think the only version of an aha moment is something maybe like the author Nassim Taleb would call via negativa and... It would be realizing that you maybe that aha moment wouldn't actually be an aha moment. It would be hitting rock bottom. Oh yeah, and it's like when you're forced actually hard into rock bottom, that might be a quote unquote aha moment. It's well, it's scary because rock bottom's got many many levels, man. You can go yeah down quite a bit with yeah. rock bottoms. There's little rocks and then there's bigger rocks and, and there's freaking boulders and then there's a layer of sharp rocks. <laughs> yeah, rock on. Yeah. Did you have something, would you say there was something real driving you? Or was oh, it a, like, just, just 100 kilos, 100 kilos. I looked back, it was kilos. just pure vanity. And I kept losing weight and kept working out. And then it turned out I was really just doing it because I kind of got sucked up in a whirlwind of vanity and mm. feeling like it defined me then. I'd lost all this weight and I had to keep it off. But 100 kilos is a completely different situation from 30 to 40. Like that's, yeah. you've essentially lost. 18 months it took me. Yeah, a human almost my size. Yeah, it's. I'd, I'd sort of you shed it. You shedded a human, but I've I put sixty back on, and I've just I've realised now it's got to be a lifestyle change. It can't be, you know. There's no quick fixes. So, can you take us through an average day of what maybe your day was like at two hundred versus what your day was like when you were dropping so much weight? Uh, um, wake up pretty sluggish. I was doing brekkie radio at the time, so get off air probably about oh I'll, yeah, get off air at ten, but go and go and have a pie from the bakery. At about 11. Ginderbone Bakery? Yeah, the old oh, Ginderbone Bakery. I can imagine why you were doing that. Uh, well, it was right down the stairs. And it's so so good up there. <laughs> that is one That is one uh, top bakery. <laughs> uh, then hang around, uh, work pretty late. Sometimes you can do some crazy, insane hours. Um, go home probably, maybe have a couple of beers. Go go and hang with, hang with some mates and then, yeah, I guess I didn't, didn't care. I'm like, oh, well, frozen meal, that'll do. Like there wasn't sort of any effort to... It was just like, I'm hungry, I need to eat. There wasn't sort of food planning or preparation going on. And um, yeah, work work just came first. I just put work because I loved my work and what I did. I just put it before my health. Well, we might cover this and then we'll talk about how you lost the weight quickly. Yeah, sure. That conversation with your, you said it was your mum that told you just to go to the 
just yeah. go to someone? Oh, mate, I was I was puffing like when I think about it. I was it was, was this in a, the time was this a moment of concern for her, or did oh. she just tell you you've got to snap out of this? No, no, they've been very very concerned, but. Yeah. Them bringing it up, it's like a vicious cycle. Them bringing it up just made me feel bad. So Yeah, well, yeah. that's what I was kind of digging for there, mm. I guess, a little bit. Was this something that had happened the whole way back to putting that weight on? Or? Yeah. 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 I, I was guess, a yeah. prem baby man, but I've made up for it now. I'm six foot six. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. White, white bloomer. <laughs> yeah. So to lose that amount of weight, that takes an entire change of everything that you're doing yeah. moment to moment in your day. How did you do, how did you achieve that? And we'll get off this in a minute. Yeah, no, that's all yeah, right. Mate. Yeah. Um, so gym in the morning, work, uh, gym again. Lots of was it just mainly fat burning or cardio? Yeah, it's just cardio. Or? I, love, I still love my spin classes. Yeah. yeah. So it was just shred, shred, shred. So I probably I was probably going to the gym ooh, maybe oh, I'd say at least six times a a week. When I was like hardcore into it. Yeah. And then just been like strict hours, like eleven o'clock. I'm eating this. One o'clock. I'm having this. Like it was. And again, it's not like it, I've those, now I've got respect for people that do it. It's a big, big change. But yeah, there was no, I never went out. I didn't drink for like three months and I'm a pretty sociable person. Yep. So yeah, I just, it was, it was good, but I, yeah, I was that driven, but I, I think uh, it obviously wasn't sustainable, I guess is what I'm coming back to because I put it back on. Yeah. That can be the downside of you get so into your idea to sure that it becomes all encompassing to the point where you burn yourself out on. Oh yeah, yeah. For for three for three months, I was probably a mate of mine said, "I'm a bit worried about you, man. Like you're all right. You don't. I probably wasn't sleeping as much as I should have. You just said, "Oh, you look, you're looking like you're going too far the other way now." Yeah, it's funny that equilibrium. Yeah, that balance. I mean, you and I have talked before too about if you're going to undergo any massive life change, not everybody in your life is going to react positively to that. Yeah. Though. So. It can and be we, a lonely we journey. appear to have opened Citrix receiver here by accident somehow with the mouse. That's so all right. Can we close that? Is this a Citrix ad? Should I leave this in the podcast? Um, if you Citrix want. Citrix used to be a big, they used to have go to meeting and I'd hear that oh, all the time on podcasts. A, that is a Citrix thing. Well, there you go. No, Citrix is uh, good to go. We are still recording. Oh, there you go. This is That's, live podcasting that, at its yeah. best. Well, that might have to stay in the podcast, Joe Rogan style. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. It is awesome being in here, so we'll get off the weight loss, loss stuff now. But I mean, yeah, and I'm, I'm still I'm still um, undergoing it, man. Like I've lost yeah. eight kilos, but now I'm doing it slowly the right way, yeah. and it's it's just I'm always going to have to watch my weight, and that's that's fine. And um, yeah, it's it's much better if I had a choice of being where I was to, you know, you take the take the weight loss any any day. So, getting back around to Albury Wodonga, yeah, and. Can you just describe again? Obviously, that first day it wasn't fantastic, but if we weather wise, but if yeah. we stretch that out to maybe let's say your first 12 months here, is there any particular things that stick out about the area or the people? Or People are great. People are very, very welcoming. I haven't met many people that, um, I mean, every everybody's got their uh, fair share of uh, people that are, I don't know, losers, weirdos, wankers. <laughs> wankers, particularly. I, have, I yeah. haven't met, I uh, haven't met many on the board everyone's pretty welcoming friendly the social social scene could be better the, the people you go and socialize with are great but i just feel like there could be more venues more venues doing more different kinds of entertainment yeah or just yeah i think so you're not just talking about liquor no no i didn't pull you up on that last time in our last conversation I'm like Who's, is he just talking about liquor no 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 not just just liquor i mean probably uh liquor's a big part of it yeah yeah <laughs> i do i do enjoy the odd social uh social beverage not as much as i used to Oh, speaking of beverage, I better have this uh, nice coffee. That's the second ad for the podcast. Mm. Ah, 
I didn't say what brand iced coffee it was, though. No, but people have to go to the website for that. Ah, there you go. <laughs> Punchingsidebase.com slash coffee. <laughs> so people obviously were good here. And right. you said that you think that the social scene could be a little bit better. Apparently it used to be better. It it did for people probably under 35. There used to be more stuff outside of late night that would happen for people that was were younger. Yeah, I heard that. Like, and now there's more there was people. Beer garden drinking, and yeah. there's a lot of Sunday sessions in different places, and, and bands, and and bands. Yeah, mm. and there was more kinds of people that had more to go to. Yeah, yeah. Which getting back around to comedy is that's something that really has never been here. No, but well, now it's starting to pick up steam. So, can we talk a little bit of comedy? Sure, man. I think maybe that could fill a little bit of that gap of. The lack of entertainment for people. Yeah, or just, and just options. Like, yeah. I'd rather go a, out and do something than sit at home and Netflix and chill. I mean, that's got its place, but yeah. it's always going to be outside. And You've also got to meet people to Netflix and chill with, which yes. is difficult when all you're trying to do is Netflix and chill. Spot on. I think that <laughs> kind of the cart leading the horse there. We need like a Netflix and chill group. Well, I'll let you start that one up because I'm not putting that anywhere online. <laughs> no, okay, right. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm afraid to Google that. <laughs> So just with the comedy scene, obviously, you well, I mean, I'm a complete novice, only having done it once, and I'm probably going to do it, go up again twice in the next week. Good on you. But you've done a few shows now. Uh, three now. Yeah. Where a few of those jokes that you had were pretty polished <laughs> and had some, and obviously your presentation and your voice obviously gave life to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I think my um, someone said you're good at projection and yeah. your presence- and just you sound so relaxed up there because talking, is, I guess, is your job. Yeah, but radio people are a bit weird. Like we talk to thousands of people every day, but we don't see them. So getting up in front of a crowd is a is a different yeah. experience. So it's interesting. That's something I was going to ask. And I think I might have asked Seamus this when he was on the show, mm. back when he was doing the morning radio here. Yeah, He thought that his time on radio actually helped his stand-up quite a bit with compressing things down and chopping out stuff you don't need. Yes. But I've heard most so. people say that they're not all that much alike. They are, but they aren't. There is definitely a crossover. Like obviously, you've got a lot of comedians that are doing yeah. um, big national drive time shows or breakfast shows. Yeah. So there is, there is a crossover, but um, yeah, they're different worlds. I think I, maybe what I'm getting at more is just which one helps the other more. And most most people in my research over the years would say that Doing stand-up helps your radio more than radio would help your stand-up. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Just because of how you have to edit what you say for stand-up to make your time or yeah. to get the funniest possible joke. So when you're going up there, do you think about it as though I'm going to do something super funny that maybe would work on radio or do you view it as a completely different medium? Completely or? different. Yeah. Because you, you can engage an immediate reaction which yep. you're not necessarily going to get on radio unless you've got a co-host sitting across the desk yep. from you. So let's just throw the question out there. Mm. What's more f- fun for you? Oh, radio. Radio is my love, but I'm very, very new into the into yep. the stand-up circle. I always wanted to do a bit of stand-up. I actually met Jade from Off The Rails Comedy Out, and I said, oh, I'm thinking of getting up. Like, I, I do want to do it. I've spoken to her once or twice, and then uh, I thought, oh, yeah, well, that's the last of it. And then they, she put me on the poster, so it like, forced me to go up, which is great in a way. Yeah, well, she did a similar she's like, thing. like, you said you'd do it. Yeah, a similar thing to me, obviously, not in quite as large a show, basically. I went along to check it out. She already knew that because I'd asked her, do you mind if I come along? Yeah. 
but I don't get up till the week after. I just want to get a vibe of what an open mic is. Because I pushed you. I said, come on, man, get up. And it was the best place to do it because it's a yeah. nice, small, intimate crowd and, and a supportive crowd. It worked for one reason for me because I was so nervous about doing it and I was already talked myself into not doing it. Mm. Being forced into doing it meant that I couldn't have been less prepared or more nervous than I was at that moment and I still actually managed to do it. There you go, see? Power of the mind, man. And that's one week ahead of where I would have been, or yeah. now it turns out it hasn't happened for a few weeks. It's basically a month ahead, and I've managed to even do a little bit of work on some other jokes that I thought were maybe a bit underdone. I got those maybe more worked out. I refined some of what I did go with, and I also dumped a few things that just I really need to work on, making sure the references aren't too obscure and that sort of stuff. Yeah, you got to sort of play to the uh, lowest common denominator. Yeah, a little bit, particularly mm. when you don't have the skills to do the storytelling part of it as well as what you might like. I think the actual premises and the punchlines, they have to be pretty easy to follow. Yeah. Because you don't have the skill to take people on a journey they can... That just comes with practice. Yeah, exactly. So I've refined a few things, even just on that one show. And that's now, if I hadn't have done it that day, if I had have just watched... I'd still be packing bricks about possibly going up tomorrow and I wouldn't have had mm. that that insight. Oh, the that, first one's always the hardest, isn't it? New experience. I think I described it to you last time, Guy, is I thought I was 10 metres behind the starting line of how possibly out of your own head you can get. Mm. I was 90 more metres. I was a 100 metre dash yeah. back from where I actually thought I would be as far as preparation and what it feels like to be up there. But sometimes you can over-prepare too. Like that was part of my problem. I kind of had half-done material, but I didn't know it all that well. Yeah. And I got a little bit lost between ad-libbing and pre-done stuff. But did anyone care? No. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a pretty supportive environment. Yeah, I don't think 100%. it could have been much more supportive. That's it, why I said to you to get up, because I would, wish I had that for my first show. Like, Yeah. You got thrown straight up on the stage. But, oh, don't get me wrong. It was still supportive. I had all my mates from work there, but yeah. it's, it was it'd be a much better place to start. Yep. In a smaller, smaller intimate so, venue. Since doing that, I've had a lot of people say, oh, that makes sense. Wow, well done for actually getting out and doing it. Surprising people did. Surprising people. Because, I mean, you can be the funniest person in the room and never actually get in front of people and bomb or possibly not be funny or any of the potential things that can happen when you're doing stand-up. Well, it comes back to a bit to the, I guess, the weight loss earlier. Just just do it. Just have a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah. it's, yours has worked very, very well. Well, I mean... The thing is, it's funny, I think we also spoke, it's a theory that I have between my music life and this new life where I'm trying to just do a bit of stand-up and mm. see what comes of that. There's a certain level you have to be at with music to even justify being on the stage. And like as you, you said last week, you, you can sort of hide behind the me- the band, like yeah. there's no one to hide behind. You can hide behind, if you're playing a little show, you can hide behind the volume of the drums. Yeah. The singer's always going to be the focus if you have a singer. Yep. And loud amplifiers playing heavy progressive rock music and you can play a song that you know people will love. If your set's going terribly and you're in a progressive rock band, yep. just play a Tool song or in a Perfect Circle song. Yeah, yeah. And you will win those people over completely, even if the rest of your set sucked. Or shout the bar. Yeah, or do that. Or just say, look, I know that sucked, but we've got 50 bucks on the bar. Nice. Yeah. Bribes. Yeah, bribes. Whereas in comedy, I feel much more ready for it to be bad for a long time. If, I, if you said, Josh, you're going to get on stage and your band is not going to be very good for mm. t- two or three years, I'd be like, uh, F, F that. I'm yeah. not doing that. <laughs> but Sorry. Now, now look at that. Yeah. Whereas with the comedy thing, I think I, just because of how I felt up there, I thought, ah, this is a really, really hard thing to do. Oh, yeah. It's harder than it looks. Yeah. It's so much harder. So I've got to 
really commit to a couple of years before I'm going to be any good at this at all. Yeah, I think that's the case with most things, but yeah, yeah. comedy probably especially. But with music though, if you get the right people in the room, it cuts down the time between mm. being okay and being really good by, if you've got four incredibly good players, yeah, that might cut 12 months worth of development down to a week. Or power in numbers too, I suppose. Yeah. And you could encourage each other, someone might be down, but three guys in the band are having fun, et cetera, et cetera. It can kind of lift everyone up if you're having a bad show. Yeah, and uh, it, it's spot on. If you're having a down day, people can uh, sort of, come on, mate, harden yeah, up, I'm not get out sure, there. And- obviously, I haven't done enough comedy to know, but I'd reckon if you do a really bad set and you're driving home by yourself or walking home, or you're just surrounded by people that had great sets and you were the only one that had a really bad one, mm. I can't imagine that would be quite the same. No. That'd be pretty I, tough. I suppose if you've got a, I don't know what the, the Melbourne scene's like, but the Aubrey scene's been awesome. I'm sure that like anything, you've got your good people. And then you, you'll have the ones that will cut your feet off to get ahead. And, so. I mean, that that's why I'm doing it at the moment, guys, just preparing for when I move. Yeah. I don't want to get down there and be a 100% novice. Well, you're definitely not. You're already streaks ahead of uh, a novice because you've been up there once already. Yeah, which is the more times I get up, the more ready I'll be for Melbourne, which will obviously... The bar of talent is just X amount higher. So. Oh, well, I mean, that's how you get better too. You obviously hang around um, people that are better than you so you can learn yeah. from them and uh, yeah. raise the bar. And that's the other thing, I guess, because it's a group of people all with egos. If you In the music world, if you had have said, look, if you really want to be good, you're going to have to be prepared to be the worst band on a bill for 12 months or two years. They would have, most people would be like, I'm not doing that. I want, to, I want to play with bands worse than us, not better. But when you started out, you were prepared to put in the... Uh the effort, and I suppose that's the same with uh, the comedy world as yeah. well. You're prepared to put in the work to uh, get but, the results. Yeah, it, it might just come that I was a musician when I was in my 20s and everything's ego-driven when you're that age and I'm starting comedy in my mid-30s. Maybe yeah. it's just a different level of maturity. Well, yeah, more life experience. and yeah. uh, Knowing now that you're going to be the worst person on a bill for a long time in comedy, it actually sounds like, oh, that's probably the best way to actually get good. But you might not. You might you yeah. might be the worst, but then you might be mediocre. You know, you're not going to be the worst for forever. Yeah, well, that's... Someone will take your place. Yeah, these are just all my crazy theories. My brain gets away from me sometimes, guy. So get, let's get back on you. We've just talked about me somehow. That's all right. It's your podcast. Yeah, well, that's right, but no one wants to hear me talk. <laughs> I've been doing this for... 10 years, if they wanted to hear me talk, they could have found something else to listen to, just me on it. <laughs> so radio brought you to the area. Yep. And you seem to be, well, just from talking to you outside of recording, you seem to really love this particular job that you're doing now, the environment here and also the area. Yeah, it's great. Are you going anywhere? Well, it's funny, actually. I was, um, I radio sort of two, three years, I get the itch. So I would only move if it was a good Good job. Like, I'm not just going to move. So, when you say tomorrow. good, do you mean metropolitan? Yeah. yeah. Bigger the population, better the job. Yeah. But even then, like, um, I am happy in Aubrey, but I get to the point where I like another challenge. Yeah. And oh, the job's still challenging, but to grow, you need uh, need a different environment, don't you? Because we can get comfortable and not complacent, but settled, I guess, in a yeah. bubble. Yeah, exactly. So, at the risk of your employers hearing this, <laughs> if you did have a dream city to be in, Let's just say you're happy in Aubrey, but there's yeah. somewhere in your mind, and it could be doesn't even need to be Australia. Yeah, where what sort of job do you have in your head in radio? Would can you see yourself thinking that that's that's it for me? That's the job I want. Adelaide. Okay. 
something like so that. So not on a drive or morning show. Just oh, look, never say never. But I'm I'm doing that now. I'm, I'm being a music jock now, and yeah. that's what I'm uh, I'm passionate about. Okay. If I could find, mate, you never know. I'm, maybe we could come up and be a drive show. If I find a good talent to, um, yeah, that we click and we bounce off, and yeah, anything's possible. But yeah. that's sort of where I want to go and go now. But even if I got. If someone said, you, you can stay in Aubrey forever and do weekend work on Triple M Melbourne or something like that, that would be fine too. Okay. and Just to tick the box, to say, all right, I've done that. That's what I wanted to do for the last it would be many a, years. It would be a good, the circle of your career, if you could, I guess, end up doing it back yeah. in the city that you were from and you grew up in and yeah. you, you may be most familiar with, really, when it comes down to it. So. Well, yeah, yes and no. Like, I, I go back to visit Melbourne and it, a lot has changed. Like, I still know my way around, obviously, but it, it yeah. is very different to... Different feel-wise or just different? Yeah, different yeah. feel Just a lot more people. That's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, but that's particularly true in Melbourne. Mm. I'm not sure anywhere is growing quite at the speed that Melbourne is when it comes to population. Yeah, so. it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it is it is a great city. And at yeah. least the centre of Melbourne is the yeah is the centre. Like, well, if you ask like my Harvard. little brother, the centre of Melbourne is the centre of the universe. I love that about <laughs> Melbourne people. They're, li- they're literally like people from New York or London or mm. Paris that they just... If you were to tell someone who's diehard Melbourne that it's yeah. not the greatest city on the planet, yeah. they'd be like, what are you talking about? Actually, down the road from where I grew up, it's changed now, but there was a park uh, probably five minutes from my house, and that was the centre of Melbourne probably 20 years ago. Like the, They worked it out officially. That <laughs> the was actual the geographical yeah. centre. Oh, that's yeah. cool. But uh, not not now, obviously, with all the population. It's probably moved further out. Yeah. Is it marked as the centre of Melbourne? Um, I think there's a little plaque there. I'll need yeah. to go and have a look. Ferndale well, Park. I mean, that might not be a very good radio segment. The new centre of Melbourne, the actual centre. Yeah, but you'd probably only get one episode out of a podcast. I'd say so, but it might be cool just to go and find out exactly where it is, just to see how much it's moved. A six-part series, I getting on the bus going down. Yeah. I know that my auntie and uncle, they live in a suburb called Roeville. Oh, yeah, no Roeville. And used to drive up, and it was whatever the road where St Kilda's old home ground was. Oh, yeah. And um, you drive up that road. Is it Punt Road? No, uh, I can't. Saints fans will tell us. On You come up over this rise into Roeville, yep. and there was nothing in this massive valley, and up on the left there was this one street, and yeah. you drive down a bit, and then you turn back onto this street, and that's where my auntie was. Okay. And now there's that entire valley, mm-hmm. which is massive, yep. is absolutely crammed with houses and they go like three or four suburbs further now and that was just basically an open valley that led onto a mountain yeah it goes up and over everything it's and that's been in the last 20 years i've got cousins in seymour and we used to you know just go down the highway from melbourne and mum's like gone you watch in like 20 years this will all be houses and yet estates and yeah they're one hour from melbourne but that's one hour to the welcome to melbourne sign then you're like another hour into the city There are people that I have I know of that were working in the CBD that lived in Seymour. Wow. Well, I suppose... I won't say what job they were doing because it might be too obvious who they are to people who are no, listening and know right. me, but they were both working in there and they were just taking the train to and from. Yeah, well, I suppose people are in Melbourne and do two-hour commutes from one end of the city to the yeah. other. Like if you're out the other side, way out past... Frankston or something, See, it probably wouldn't be much different. No, well, ten. I mean, ten years ago that'd be considered weird, but now people do because uh, your cost of living is. Uh, yeah, yeah. The twenty hours a week that you're spending on a V-line train, though, that I don't know whether any amount of money would be worth that. Well, I don't know. You just yeah, you just grin and bear it, don't you? 
Yeah, I'd be I'd be smashing books though. Oh yeah, me too. I smash books, podcasts because I'll regularly I'll regularly yeah. get the train to Melbourne for a weekend. Yeah, that's been a great thing about living on the border. But it was funny when I moved. People were like, where are you moving? Oh, I'm moving to Albury, Wodonga. And now I'm like, no, I live in Albury. Like we get a little bit territorial. <laughs> Well, there is a reason for that. We won't go too much into that, but we're not going to Wodonga bash, man. No, Wodonga's well, on the up. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, they apparently did. They end up opening the main street. Yeah. Yeah, that looks uh, yeah really great. So, right, we might lost half our audience. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> no one from Wodonga listens this far through a podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got stuff to do. So we might finish off, guy, just by tackling your last name. Okay. And I think in the last episode, we might have went into a little bit more smutty territory oh, than what we really wanted to. Pretty dark territory. It was pretty dark. So I'm just going to have a go at your last name and then you tell me right, yeah. if it's right. And then I'll break it down a little bit slower and we'll see if people get it. Okay. Yep. My Lecarain. Pretty much bang on. My Lecarain. My Lecarain. My Lecarain. My Lecarain. My Lecarain. My Lecarain. Yep. Okay, so can you just say that very slowly and phonetically for us, for the people listening at home? My, Lee, Ka, Rain. If you think you know what that is, look me up on Facebook, facebook.com slash Joshua C. Liston or at Joshua C. Liston on Twitter and Instagram. And who knows, I'll buy you a beer next time I see you if you reckon you can guess what exactly we're trying to get at there. <laughs> That's a better way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, M-Y-L-E-C-H-A-R-A-N-E. Guy, my liquor own. There you go, you got it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing this again, mate. Thank no, you. Mate, that's right. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for the awesome studio. I mean, just the fact that I can concentrate one hundred percent on the person and not be listening for room reflections and hand rustling mm. and and uh, sorry for not looking at you. I was looking at you, but I got a lazy eye. So <laughs> probably like hello. Oh no, no, he's looking at me. Sorry. Right. Hey, you know the worst thing about having a lazy eye? Hit me. It spreads to the rest of your body. Wow. And uh, we'll end on that horrible, horrible Yeah, that note. one that one will make the edit, but just barely. Okay. <laughs> Punchingsideways.com for this episode and all others. And the easiest way to get people to listen, if they're not podcast friendly or they're not sure about how to use their apps, is just go to the website and press play. Or you could make them a cassette tape. Or I can send you a CD in the mail. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll get Guy to sign it phonetically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks, mate. Thank you, man. Bye-bye.